they are coming. Coming for us all. Unstoppable force of men forged into iron with their fires and machinery of war. Driven before them are those who betray everything beyond their greed, hate, and anger. Do you betray everything and decide to free your hide? Or will you take your best and stand for the fight? Fight for your life, for what is dearest to you, for honor and death. Let your name be worthy of you. But remember, the war consumes us all. We're gonna go ahead and begin at the beginning here. We're not saying anyone should be forced to be pro-white. All we're saying is that whether anyone likes it or not, white people have the right to be pro-white. White people have the right to a sense of racial consciousness, racial identity, and racial pride. We have the right to date, to marry white, and to raise our white children to be pro-white. We have the right to love our own people, and to raise our children to love themselves and their people. And above all else, white people have the right to unify, organize, and fight back against the rising tidal wave of anti-white hatred. Don't like it? Too fucking bad. That's your problem, not ours. The anti-white powers that be want you to believe that you don't have a right to be victorious. They want pro-whites to be defeated, broken, and conquered. But we have no intention of surrendering to their intimidation. Pro-white means supporting whites' rights to a collective sense of racial consciousness, identity, and pride. It means supporting whites' rights to pursue self-determination in our collective racial destiny. Whether anyone likes it or not, the white race has a right to be pro-white. White people don't lack in numbers. What we lack is unity. If we can figure out how to unify, organize, and fight back, show's over. We win. Historically speaking, when white people finally say enough is enough, the entire world trembles beneath our collective footsteps. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. Come and take it!
you fuck. That's right. Welcome to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Sunny Thomas Show, and I'm your enigmatic host, Sunny motherfucking T, you whiny ass bitches. <laughs> if you want to call in or listen now, it's area code 607 203 5423. That's area code 607 203 5423. You can follow us on various social media all over the place. Uh, we're pretty much kind of centered down to a handful because it's a little bit easier. You can find us on, on Wimkin at Resolution RDO. You can also find us on Getter. Parlor gets their act together. Uh, Gab. Twitter and Telegram, all at Resolution RDO. Except on Twitter, you have to add the number one. You can also find us on Wimkin at Same Time as Show, Getter, Gab, Twitter, and Telegram, all at Same Time as Show. So we actually have a lot of cool stuff there, and, and really active on Telegram a lot. So you can really uh, follow a lot of our stuff there and be able to uh, stay on top of a lot of good things. So I've been really active on Twitter as well, but they're notice that they're starting to censor certain words when you speak your mind a little bit. You know, they they start to still ding your ass, but on Getter not so much. So there's still a lot more free speech on Getter than there is on Twitter. So my gene is my my guest this evening is supposed to be Gene Andrews. Uh, he is the caretaker of the Nathan Bedford Forest um, childhood home, and. Um, I'm actually hoping he uh, is still scheduled for this evening because I'm actually having a hard time getting a hold of him at the moment. The worst case scenario is if, he, if I can't get a hold of him here shortly, um, we'll reschedule him for another date. Um, I really enjoy his commentary, especially on the topic of uh, General Forrest, because, in fact, he's very interesting historical, uh, I don't want to say character, but in some ways, in some ways how he's depicted, he can be a bit of a character. But uh, that being said, he was definitely probably one of the most feared Confederate generals uh, to the Yankees, that's for sure. Even to, you know, some of my actual um, heritage going back to when it comes to Sherman, uh, he called him that devil forest, you know what I mean? So, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. He was uh, definitely a, a, a badass, that's for sure. He definitely was a badass and definitely a Southern nationalist and patriot as well. So, again, when you see a lot of these revisionists trying to just, again, keep – because they've been a victim of Yankee um, training in schools that everything about the South is about slavery. And that's bullshit. A lot of it goes back to taxation and tariffs as well as uh, other things that were doing impeding on state sovereignty and uh, dictating how they can or couldn't make purchases on certain things. You know, again, a lot of the stuff that we are uh, that are suppressed onto us every day, our ancestors would have been would have been shooting a long time ago. I mean, just a lot of the affronts that uh, I mean, what was the whole purpose of one of the reasons why we fought the Revolution War in the first place? Taxation on representation, right? Well, here it wasn't much different because for like twenty to forty years, the North was having very oppressive taxation policies onto the South. Uh, and treating them as a subjugative uh, growing class. And it's like, nah, dude, that's bullshit. So um, plus the fact that, you know, with, with uh, especially with uh, Southern chivalry, still still famous to this day in many ways, I think a lot of it's diminished, though. Eastern generation 
Um, they, they've lost a lot of their um, appeal. But the biggest issue is so far that you can actually um, see that. So, again, they were always known for their hospitality, the cooking, and a lot of cultures and stuff that really make it um, prominent. So these are all things that really matter. So that's a big issue is um, trying to figure out exactly what all is going on there and all that jazz. Okay, so I'm um, just trying to use some technical issues. My my comp's really been slow today. I reformatted it recently, and it just is not up to, up to par, man. So shh. I may try to do it one more time and see if it has any improvement. But, uh, you know, once it's enough. My other computer here, I reformatted it. And I had no problems. As a matter of fact, it ran great. But then by the time I added certain programs to it and did some other stuff, I ran out of memory. So I'm like, oh, that's just great. So this one... Uh, it's working pretty good. It's just running really, really freaking slow. But anyways, uh, so until I see uh, Mr. Andrews pop on, I want to cover uh, Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker on Twitter, as it's called. So he has gotten a huge amount of people just on Twitter alone. He's had over 107 million views of his first episode from last night. That's... That, <laughs> That's astronomical compared to the average 5 million views he would get a night, and that was still the top-rated show on Fox. So that tells you all you need to know. Now, he's been keeping his segments uh, kind of short. Um, episode 1 was uh, 10 minutes, 27 seconds, and episode 2 is uh, 12 minutes, 37 seconds. So I'm going to go ahead and play the first clip and then give you my commentary on it. So here is Tucker with his first episode on Tucker. Um, yeah, with Tucker on Twitter. So, uh, again, uh, he has some very good points on this. And if you read um, some of the comments, he's really letting the truth out. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant. And as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic. It was an act of terrorism. The question is, who did it? Well, let's see. The Kokovka Dam was effectively Russian. It was built by the Russian government. It currently sits in Russian-controlled territory. The dam's reservoir supplies water to Crimea, which has been for the last 240 years home of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might have happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up, just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the Russian natural gas pipeline, last fall. And in fact, the Ukrainians did do that, as we now know. It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News consumer. 
Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media, which wasted no time this morning in accusing the Russians of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11, immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar, clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil, and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. In this specific case, Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been Ukrainians who did it. No chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky. We can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. Now, you see him on television, it's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a persecutor of Christians, a friend of BlackRock. But don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. <laughs> All the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit, is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people. Hanging out together and being good. Faggot. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people <laughs> and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. The best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Now it's... The Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says. A smile spreads across his thin, quivering lips as he forms the words. He looks like a starving man contemplating a breakfast buffet. The aroma of death has aroused Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Thanks so much, replies Zelensky. Aroused. He feels the same way. See, there's nothing dark here. Just two middle-aged guys celebrating the killing of a population. They don't seem like the kind of people who'd enjoy flooding villages or starting a famine. And in any case, who cares if they are? It's really not your business. Your job is to support Ukraine. Watch Nikki Haley, a Republican candidate for president, explain this principle on CNN. Joke. A win for Ukraine is a win for all of us. And for them to sit there and say that this is a territorial dispute, that's just not the case. To say that we should stay neutral, it is in the best interest of America. It's in the best interest of our national security for Ukraine to win. We have to see this through. We have to finish it. See? It's very easy to understand. It is vitally important for you to support Ukraine because it's necessary for Ukraine to be supported by you. <laughs> Your support is mandatory until it's finished, whatever it is and whatever that means. So shut up and support Ukraine or else you're in trouble. Back when they still taught logic, statements like this were known as tautologies. Something is true because it is. The more you repeat it, the truer it becomes. It's a self-reinforcing reality. There was a time when tautologies were considered illegitimate arguments, not to mention hilariously stupid. 
Only dumb people talk like that. Now everybody in power talks like that. Diversity is our strength. Trans women are women. Zelensky is Churchill. It's all self-evidently true. doesn't need an explanation and don't ask questions. Sound familiar? Of course it does. That's the path they're serving us day after day in steaming lumpy portions. By this point, it's possible that American citizens are the least informed people in the world. Your average yak herder in Tajikistan knows who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It's obvious. Does he think some skinny dude in a dress is actually a girl? Come on. That idea would never occur to him. You've got to be lied to at full volume over a period of years in order to reach conclusions like that. And of course, we have been. The media lie. They do. But mostly they just ignore the stories that matter. What's happened to the hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars we've sent to Ukraine? No clue. Who organized those BLM riots three years ago? No one's gotten to the bottom of that. What exactly happened on 9-11? Well, it's still classified. How did Jeffrey Epstein make all that money? How did he die? How about JFK? And so endlessly on. Not only are the media not interested in any of this, they are actively hostile to anybody who is. In journalism, curiosity is the gravest crime. Yesterday, for example, a former Air Force officer who worked for years in military intelligence came forward as a whistleblower to reveal that the U.S. government has physical evidence of crashed non-human-made aircraft, as well as the bodies of the pilots who flew those aircraft. The Pentagon has spent decades studying these otherworldly remains in order to build more technologically advanced weapon systems. Okay, that's what the former intel officer revealed, and it was clear he was telling the truth. In other words, UFOs are actually real, and apparently so is extraterrestrial life. Now we know. In a normal country, this news would qualify as a bombshell, the story of the millennium. But in our country, it doesn't. The whistleblower's account ran on a technology website called The Debrief, which you probably never heard of. The Washington Post had that story, but decided not to run it. The New York Times, meanwhile, just pretended it never happened. On the front page of The New York Times website this morning, there were five stories about Ukraine, as well as four stories apiece about Donald Trump trans people, and climate change, the usual lineup. There was nothing at all about how an alien species is flying hypersonic aircraft over our cities. Not one word. So if you're wondering why our country seems so dysfunctional, this is a big part of the reason. Nobody knows what's happening. A small group of people control access to all relevant information, and the rest... We know what smaller group of people that is, with lots of brackets.
We're the ones who live in ignorance now. The U.S. government has managed to classify more than a billion so-called public documents. So at this point, we can't possibly know what our leaders are doing. We're not allowed to know. By definition, that is not a democracy. Yet it's fine with the media. Secrecy is a powerful tool of control. Stop asking how we got so rich. Here's another story about racism. Go eat each other. That's the program. That's how most of us now live here in the United States. Manipulated by lies, silenced by taboos. It is unhealthy and is dehumanizing, and we're tired of it. As of today, we've come to Twitter, which we hope will be the shortwave radio under the blankets. We're told there are no gatekeepers here. If that turns out to be false, we'll leave. But in the meantime, we are grateful to be here. We'll be back with much more very soon. Okay, so that was Turkish's first episode from last night on Twitter. And uh, Jones was actually spot on. He said approximately how many viewers he would probably get. And he got uh, actually around that or at least um, a few a few million more than he had said at the time that he had, uh, had uh, been talking about it. So at the time, he said he probably got about, probably about 10 o'clock. He'll probably have about 70, 60 million views. Well, he actually had 67 million. So now he's had, just as of this broadcast, over 107 million. So that's just the one episode. Uh, the second episode, which just came out uh, shortly, a little while ago, uh, an hour ago, has already got almost a million views. It sits at 955,000 views, and that's within an hour. So that's phenomenal. Like I said, it just goes to show you that, um, you know, People are starving for the truth because, like he was saying in the broadcast, that nobody knows what the fuck's going on, and um, and and that's deliberate. Uh, Thomas Jefferson always said, "A well-informed populace will always make the right decisions." Well, that's what they want to ensure that you are not informed, that you have no clue what's going on, and that nothing matters. Instead, shut up, enjoy the rainbows, and support gay shit that's out for this fucking month. I mean, it's it's getting really bad. Um, there was a, a, a pastor that uh, was on Jones' show today. I've heard him on there before. I think it was the same one uh, that was the one that got arrested in uh, Tampa for allowing his congregation to come to his uh, house of worship to, to, to still congregate. And um, he uh, talking about, you know, a lot of stuff that's going on and his, his take on stuff. And he's pretty spot on. This, this chat, this uh, this chap's really got stuff down as far as uh, a very good perception of what's going on. So, like I said, I I really enjoy listening to some of these guys. So of course, they start going in, start praising Jesus, and start going on, "Oh, Heavenly Father, go God is we got to take the wheels off of Pharaoh's chariot and all this other shit." You know, I'm sorry, but that damn shit just fucking just kills me, dude. I mean, you know, I, I get it, but there are uh, there are good Christians out there who actually serve as good common sense realists and um, uh, just know what's going on. Matter of fact, I still have that clip from that uh, pastor out in there. I think it was Arizona or New Mexico that was um, had called the microchip New World Order. And it's about half hour long, but that sermon was spot on. I may actually play it at the end of the show uh, just for the simple fact that 
I'd like to hear his take again, how spot on he is. This, this guy's definitely awake, that's for sure. But they just keep on pushing. But anyways, he mentioned that he added it up, and all the stuff to push for LGBTQ plus crap is over 144 days on the calendar. And he listed, a lot of, a lot of it's for a day, a week. Of course, you got a whole Pride Month. you got all this shit. He listed all these times, basically almost every month of the year, there's some sort of faggotry going on somewhere. And they're backing it like it's a big, big demographic, and they're not. But when you allow them to go in parades, and like I saw one where a guy's tied up to the uh, roll bar in the back of a pickup truck, and he's got a guy behind him and, you know, kind of dressed like a biker from uh, the the village people, you know, basically taking uh, what looks like two cat of nine tails and, and, and beating his ass with it and stuff. I mean, it, and that shit's on public display. And not to mention... Hey, I posted a video um, that I, earlier this week of all sorts of children's clothing that are very satanic. Now, I'm very well aware of the of the marketing and, and advertising because I've done 15 years in printing myself. I've also been a big fan of hard rock and heavy metal for all my adult life, you know, as well as my good wonder years as a teeny teeny bopper. So I understand the. Yeah, you know, especially a lot of bands of the eighties that would um or even the sixties, you know, like Rolling Stones doing stuff like Goat's Head Soup and at, at their satanic majesty's request or some shit like that. Uh or even singing songs like Sympathy for the Devil. I mean just little little things there to just uh you know, be a just to be a thorn aside to the uh the the, the, the Christian sect, especially the the Bible belts in the South. That's why Beatles got hugely hated on when John accurately said that they were more popular than Jesus. So, again, that's a lot of interesting shit there. My, my biggest thing is is uh, a lot of bands have embraced a lot of this shit. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Page has been, from Led Zeppelin has been known to be uh, very affiliated with the cult. Matter of fact, he lives in Aleister Crowley's fucking mansion. I mean, all sorts of crazy fucking shit. So, I mean, but a lot of the 80s stuff got into it more. I mean, a lot of them use those gimmicks. I mean, obviously... Motley Crue used, you know, pentagrams and stuff like that and blah, 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 blah. And I've heard various accounts over the years that said that they were messing around with the Ouija board and there was a knife on the table and it flew up and stuck up into the ceiling. And I said, that's it. I'm done with this shit. So whatever that particular bullshit story is, maybe it's in the dirt. I don't know. But uh, but there are some legitimate um, satanic bands that became that set the stage for black metal. Uh, obviously, Merciful Fate was one of the ones. Matter of fact, Anton LaVey even said in one of his books that of all the metal bands that, that were featured at the time, he said King Diamond, especially at Merciful Fate, was the only one true Satanist because of the fact that he actually uh, was reading the Anakin Keys. Um, it was even, especially as uh, Come to the Sabbath, uh, was laying details about how to do a, um, a seance and, and, the, and to invoke the devil or at least a demon and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of shit in there. Of course, uh, years later, King Diamond is pretty much an atheist. He's like, I'm not really into that fucking shit, especially now he's older. He's already had, you know, what, triple bi- triple quadruple bypass surgery. So he's he's enjoying it while he's got it, you know. Plus, he finally got a, a, a woman um, last five, six years and finally had a kid. So, I mean, you know, hey, there you go. He's now 60, 63 or something like that. So, uh, you know, he did, did a recent tour here with uh, a United, Reunited Merciful Fate, 
but it's not Merciful Fate because they, Timmy Hansen had just died recently from cancer, the bass player, so they got Joey Vera from Armored Saint. Um, I don't know who the drummer was, but without Kim Ruz, it's definitely missing something. And of course, most egregiously, they exempt they they kept they kicked out Michael Denner, never even invited him. Without Michael Denner, even though it's King Diamond and Hank Sherman, it's not Merciful Fate because those two together as guitarists have magic, and it's just not right, dude. It's absolute bullshit. It's like what's Iron Maiden without Adrian Smith and um. I just, oh fuck! I just forgot the other guy's name. But anyway, you know, with, with those two guys, it's not quite the same. And even though Janet Gears was filling to replace Adrian Smith, he came back, and so um, they they kept him. So now they're basically like Leonard Skinner to heavy metal now. So they've got all these, uh, you know, they got three lead guitarists. So that's that's fucking cool. But the bottom line is, in in, in the DP, we're trying to pick the. Iron Maiden is Satanist too because it did the number of Beast albums, especially the song number of the Beast. But that's not even what it's really about. But, you know, and I have all these church groups that take any four-letter word band and try to come up with some, you know, satanic acronym for shit like obviously KISS being Knights in Satan's Service or, uh, you know, Kids in Satan's Service, whatever bullshit they came up with. But I'll tell you this, though. If a band were to call themselves Knights in Satan's Service, KISS would sue their ass off in a fucking heartbeat. Absolutely. Uh, now, where they got probably Knights in Satan service, probably especially during 1976, uh, during the Destroyer and Rock on Rollover tours, where Gene had a lot of uh, metal plating on him and looking like a knight. So, I mean, that's probably where they got. I mean, obviously, he's like a bat lizard combination. So, I mean, you know, that's where they get Knights in Satan service because he spits blood and breathes fire. So, I mean, now that his character is, he's a demon. Well, that's appropriate because he's a Jew. So, I mean, you know, I think that actually works out pretty good. But the thing that gets me the most is a lot of these fuckers just want to label anything a certain way. Now, that being said, you still have a lot of black metal bands. You have Venom, who until Slayer came out was because they're the heaviest band around. And, of course, they're a new wave of British heavy metal. But then you had uh, Pike. You had a lot more other black metal bands that had come along and really formed the genre. You know, I mean, I've seen some interesting bands over the years that had this stuff. Even more recent stuff, such as I call the the Bastard Stepchildren of Venom, which is Midnight, which I've featured songs on here from before, such as um, Fucking Speed and Darkness, as well as uh, uh, Return to Blasphemy. So there was a lot of still satanic being, uh, bands out there, groups and stuff. I mean, even Electric Hellfire Club from the early 90s. They're more like club industrial kind of crap they're not i don't know how legitimate they are but you know this is some of the stuff they try to sound like it you know whatever but anyways a lot of their albums for the next five years had a lot of satanic imagery but the thing is a lot of that stuff is just a gimmick nobody really really gets in that shit the problem is though you're starting to see it a lot more i had just recently been on um uh dayton pagan um coalition thing and someone had posted a pentacle. And the reason I, I, I comment on this is because I had talked to a woman who was at, that I used to work with that actually was um, into Wicca big time. And she said very specifically that they stole the image for, for from us and made it for their own uh, perversion and shit. So they took the pentacle, turned it upside down, added a good to Mendes and created the pentagram, okay? 
especially the Baphomet. The Baphomet is the actual full one, including uh, the inscriptions around the ring and, and other stuff. Matter of fact, my best friend from high school actually had that tattoo on his left shoulder. So it was funny as shit because he's talking about one. Sometimes a Jehovah Witness came and knocked on his door. He opened up the door and says, you see this? I mean, he's not wanted. Fuck off. Got that scene in American History X where they didn't get, you know, when, when uh, Vineyard pulls the shirt down and says the swastika and sees that and she's not wanted. So I thought that was actually fucking cool. But anyways, um, um, a lot of people are into it for shock value. I mean, Testament has like a horned skull logo they've used on, on the first album, and all the original members of Testament actually have that tattoo on the shoulder just to show that they were united as a band. And so the only... You know, the original members that are still there is Chuck Billy, Eric Peterson, and, of course, Alex Skolnick came back, which I think is appropriate because of the fact that Alex Skolnick is a Jew. So, you know, there you go. That, that, that kind of works out pretty good. You know, Chuck Billy is, uh, you know, he's some sort of Indian mix as a Native American, and Eric Peterson is some sort of uh, Pacific Islander mix. I don't, I really haven't looked up his ethnicity to figure it out. And, you know, I still enjoy the band and, and, and uh, their music over the years. But let's face it, usually the only white guy in there is, the, is uh, arguably the bassist um, or usually the drummer, you know. So, I mean, they're majority-minority band. Same with Death Angel. I think Death Angel is a mixture of uh, several different ethnicities, especially the two lead guitars are Japanese. Uh, the lead singer is uh, Hispanic, and I, I couldn't tell what the drummer is, like I said. I have recently just started really getting into Death Angel big time, and I've really enjoyed a lot of the stuff. Some of the early shit, eh, I'm not that great on, but a lot of the newer stuff that they reformed is pretty rock solid, dude. I, I think they're pretty competitive. But the bottom line is they put they push a lot of the state taking imagery on kids. So when you go into sh- you go into places like um, Hot Topic, especially, or you go into um, Spencer's Gifts, you'll see a lot of that shit in there. Where a lot of these bands are pushing that crap. Um, the, the imagery in there, um, on the t-shirts as well as their album cover artwork and all that stuff, as well as, you know, a lot of it's just being rebellious. That's basically a symbol of rebellion because of the fact that, uh, Lucifer is the angel of light and he rebelled against, against God and he got cast out, you know, that being said, you know, it's like, Oh, do the do the angels get any type of free will when he gave it to us, supposedly, if you believe that horse shit? I mean, the thing that really gets me about the whole fucking story about Christianity, and, and especially going back to the fucking early shit, all the Jew books of fucking Old Testament, the thing that gets me the most is that if God gave you free will, then why is the first thing you have to do is fucking genuflect, bend the knee? I mean, is that like for some sort of sadistic fucking shit? Like, oh, I've given you a choice of free will. Now take a knee. You know, how about you go take a, go take this and shove it? I mean, I understand why Lucifer would have actually, you know, said, "Hey, man, why can't I be like you? Why can't I I do the things that you do? You know, what? Why am I stuck at this pay grade? You know, these are legitimate questions. So, again, sympathy for the devil, possibly, but I'm not going to go fucking sign up and and you know. What is that? That Dante's Inferno said better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. Okay, interesting argument. As long as you're ruling <laughs> and and not being ruled. So I mean, again, is this when you read more about that whole shit? Like I said, you definitely need to watch a documentary called Esoteric Agenda. I think there's I think there's two of them. 
might have been a third. I think the third focused more on the psychology aspect of it. But definitely go watch Esoteric Agenda. Of course, they explained a lot of stuff the Mayan Counter. Of course, all that shit's passed since 2012. But the bottom line is it really shows you all the elements of the Gospels came from other cultures. And uh, you're just kind of like, holy shit. And, we're, and where Palestine is, you would have actually had all these crossroads, multiple continents converging into one spot. I mean, you got five continents, you know, well, actually four continents coming close right there. So eventually you're going to be like, oh, so you're going to see all these influences and different uh, aspects of different religions and things going to start having similarities. Just like there isn't a lot of similarity between Zeus, Jupiter, and Odin. Because they're all European-based. So, I mean, it's interesting stuff. But the thing that really gets me is they're seeing a lot more uh, pushing for pedophilia, the sadistic uh, S&M shit in these drag queen shows that they're trying to get kids involved in, trying to make uh, pedophiles as minor attracted persons. When you always look back to see who's behind push my knowledge shit, it's the same fucking ethnic group, dude, the Jews. Because this is what they do. They're perverted. They're sick. They come out there and, I mean, even when they fucking uh, um, circumcise you and shit and they suck the blood off the fucking baby's penis, dude, it's fucking nasty shit. They're fucking spawns of Satan. So, I mean, you know, again, I'm no Christian, dude, but I think there's a lot of relevance to some of the warnings that they're heeding there. So, like I said, it, those are things to really look at and start asking questions on. But more importantly is that we cannot get hardly any accurate information anymore. They are creating a system where they will be able to control us and be able to monitor everything we do. As a matter of fact, I just saw a thing with Maria Z uh, talking with this economist uh, named Kirk Elliott. He's got a PhD. And they're talking about how they're, um, this AI and all this other shit is going to not only eliminate jobs, but the banks themselves are already calling all this information on you. They want to know your political affiliation, um, what's your religious uh, preference. What's your sexual preference? All this shit. How much money do you spend a month? Do you drink pop? Do you do you drink uh, um, healthy? Do you eat healthy foods? Do you eat a lot of junk foods? I mean, why does the bank need to know what the fuck I do in my private time outside of transactions? You know, it's none of your goddamn business. And then on that, my my real big issue is when the one guy was saying, "Is it really true? Has have the bank banksters really control the world now?" Because of the fact that they control governments, they, you know, world and economic form is bright. They have a lot of people inside of many of these cabinets. Some of them are the prime ministers and presidents themselves. So again, just like the CFR, the CFR had had, had been controlling major corporations for a long time. I mean, for example, uh, G. L. Griffin talked about this even in the 80s. He, he gave a laundry list of people that are CEOs of major, major corporations, of bands we all know, love, and cherish, and that basically they're all members of the Council on Foreign Relations. So, again, it's all it, – this is the definition of a corporate fascism. It's not only this, but they're answering all this, plus the fact that the, they're making sure they push all their shit overseas. The one good thing about Russia is when this shit started off, they started kicking all these people like, oh, we're just going to leave. He's like, Bye. Make sure you leave the keys to your building because we're going to repurpose it. And they said, well, if you don't like what we're doing, get the fuck out. And so they left. Russia has actually done more economically since they've cut themselves off more from the West and then forced people to buy their oil in, in rubles. 
So their economy is actually growing. Why ours is in a serious is is we got serious inflation issue, and could arguably uh, turn into stagflation like it was in the seventies under uh, Jerry Ford and Jimmy Carter. So I mean, it's something to look at, man. Something serious to look at. All right, um, I was hoping Mr. Andrews was going to be able to call in. I have not seen my sister. He must not have gotten a hold of my stuff. So I'll have to reschedule with him. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to play episode two from Tucker Carlson. And I think it's got some very interesting points there. Not to mention, uh, briefly, that um, when we talk about the guy, we talk about the UFO stuff. Now, is that really legit? Is that a possibility? Uh, some people say that maybe the Germans had gotten a hold of a lot of this stuff, and that's why their tactics and and their um, their tanks and stuff had increased dramatically between World War One and World War Two, is because their tactics and the technology had increased uh, because of the stuff that they had. You know, I mean, you never know. So, unfortunately, people like Rommel wrote a book on his on his tank warfare, which Patton read. So he got a one-up on him. Unfortunately, they never got to meet in the battlefield because of the fact that Rommel went back uh, to Germany sick and then was exposed for being one of the uh, uh, conspirators for the assassination attempt on the Fuhrer uh, at the Wolf Slayer. So he was executed. So unfortunately, never got a chance to meet them in person. That would have been one hell of a fucking thing. It's like, oh, my tank against your tank and whoever decides this wins the war. You know, <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be interesting. But these are guys who are cut from the same cloth, man. But you will never see generals in that league in the military ever again. You know, Patton was was a modern-day Wayne Tecumseh Sherman, but on steroids. I mean, he he was badass. He's probably one of the best generals this country's ever produced as far as a war horse. But definitely General Robert E. Lee is definitely one of the best overall generals we've ever produced in this country and still is ranked very highly on the list of kings, generals, and leaders of uh, any type of military outfit. So Robert E. Lee is still highly regarded and respected for the military mind that he was. All right, we'll be back right after these brief messages. And uh, we'll play part two of Tucker Carlson's return with Tucker on Twitter. We'll be right back. Team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with DeGrell's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of DeGrell. During his time in Spain, DeGrell did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. 
Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon DeGrell in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. 
there's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. You're home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Okay, welcome back to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. You are listening to the Slane Thomas Show, and I'm your host, Slane Thomas. If you want to call on us now, it's area code 607-203-5423. It's area code 607-203-5423. We have, uh, we're trying to get some stuff up here on uh, Resolution Radio. Again, this computer has been kind of crappy, so we've been having some issues. The bottom line is we are going to be... Um, adding some shows to the roster. So I'm looking at, at which days I'm going to probably move some shows around and do some consolidation because uh, I am able to double up, especially since I'm um, uploading and not, not doing live as much. So I'm going to be stacking some shows up uh, sometime during the week. So tentatively, I'm looking at moving the Jay Dyer show from uh, Tuesdays to hopefully airing it on Sunday. And then, ha- um, or even having the uh, uh, Kate Daly show move to Tuesdays with Jay Dyer, and then just build those two up, and then maybe turn one of those days uh, to a um, a stacked gun show presentation. I found some pretty good uh, podcasts, uh, some on a specific uh, firearms training, as well as just general gun rights and some other stuff. So, are, as much as we're an advocate of the Second Amendment and a firm believer of it. Um, we're going to feature some programs that actually focus solely on that. So that's the thing that we're looking at there as well. I'm also looking at a couple other shows. I was listening to one today called White Papers, which is definitely a pro-white um, thing, which is a hybrid show between uh, UK and, and US. At least the first episode was. I think when I looked at some of the show descriptions for the newer ones, I saw uh, Laura uh, Tower on there, and I think she's she's definitely British. Um, maybe in Scottish. So that's one of the things I'm looking at is um, trying to, some of these shows, I have to figure out how to get them as far as, because some of them, they're paid service, others you have to uh, you know figure out how to download them, whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is I want to try to syndicate them here on Resolution Radio because, in fact, I, I feel they have something to say and they need to be heard. So that's the thing I'm looking at here. So we're looking at stacking some shows. Um, we currently are featuring Fascination, which is actually haven't put any new episodes out lately because of the fact that uh, Jazz McFields has been over in um, uh, Sicily, and so he should be back by now. I guess, but the, I guess the, the the mountain he had just been climbing on, like shortly after he had climbed on it, erupted. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa! So interesting. So yeah, maybe he set a bomb off. Who knows? Anyways, it was maybe it's a truth bomb. So. What a case would be. Uh, hopefully, he's uh, was able to get out of there before any any complications happened. Uh, but uh, we do feature uh, fascination here. We're looking at possibly some other programs there from 
um, the Right Stuff Network uh, that also features programs for members of the National Justice Party. As a matter of fact, I do believe this weekend they may be heading up to East Palestine again to protest the uh, the cockamamie shit going on with there and the outright um, abandonment of that of that small town. Uh, so, Governor Dewine has a lot of fucking uh, questions he needs to answer. If not, he needs to fucking immediately resign. Uh, so I'm, I'm really starting to see the talking points that they're saying is on a spot on. And so I, I never did care for DeWine. I never voted for that fucker as a neocon piece of shit. And uh, I like to see him actually fucking recalled. That actually would be very nice. And so that way his legacy is trashed. And make sure his recall he does not collect any more fucking pension uh, from from us, the taxpayer. So that's the only way these fuckers are going to learn. And if you're moved from office, you lose all privileges that go with that office. You're not going to get no partial pension. You should get fucking, if anything, you should pay the people back. So, uh, you know, again, um, the thing that one of the things that pisses me off about DeSantis is the fact that uh, he he pulled a John Kasich. He asked people forward to give him a second term. He got a huge landslide victory and uh, still had a very large war chest um, after it. And the thing is, he, he uh, was already announced to run for president. Everybody knows, dude, it's too early for you to do this. One I firmly feel that, especially if you ask for your people to give you two terms as governor, you have an obligation to fulfill those terms. And then most importantly, you need to make sure that um, you should not even be considering any higher office until you've fully completed those terms. So when you finish your second term at the beginning of January or whenever you're sworn in, then uh, if you want to run for Senate or you want to run for president or whatever, fine. Not only that, but that way you got you got four or even eight years of experience under your belt and also accomplishments you can tout. So again, I think that's a serious issue. But my biggest problem is uh, this: this census has been exposed to be not only bushy, but now he's also uh, anti-white because he's pushed some of the hardest uh, anti-Semitic fucking bullshit in the universities there in Florida, and you can't even you can't even debate about it about Israel or the Jews. So that, and he signed this shit while he's over in Israel, I guess. So that is sedition and treason. Of all people, a former Navy man himself, he should fucking know better. So uh, maybe we should start calling for the uh, the recall, if not the outright prosecution for treason of Ron DeSantis, um, what he did to Florida, and uh, all this other shit. So again, why are the Jews always a protected class? Just because of the Holocaust? Fuck your Holocaust, dude. You know, it's, they're, they're, I saw something by uh, Russell James on, on Gab yesterday. I, I definitely see where he's going with this. I think we can prove upon it. Their slogan is always, never again. He says, maybe ours should be no more. In other words, we're done with your fucking sympathy. We're done with your sorrow. We're done with your guilt trip. You know, that even actually happened. It was by one fucking country over there. None of us fucking had anything to do with it. Especially since we already had Zionist-occupied governments pushing this fucking war on the Germany. The more and more you really understand why the National Socialist Party rose to power, what they did while they were in power, the positive things they did in power, and why they were so hated upon is, is uh, really makes the most sense. The bottom line is they stifled the Jews' ability to conduct usury. And when it, it's... Forbidden to do usury on another Jew, 
but on Gentiles and, and foreigners, absolutely. Charge all the interest you want. So, again, know your enemy and their tactics. Okay, so we're not going to play uh, part two of uh, Tucker's episode. And like I said, I think he's got some uh, very good talking points. And um, definitely um, spot on. So here is um, episode two, Cling to Your Taboos. And once again, he hits a home run. He, he's batting a thousand. Who was authorized? Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. Let's say you wanted to control a country. How would you start? We'd want to make sure you had the complete obedience of everybody inside your borders who was authorized to use deadly force. You would start with the military and then federal law enforcement and move your way down ultimately to agencies like the IRS. Controlling the guns would be a top priority for you if you ever wanted to go dictatorial, if you wanted to be baby doc. But let's say you had deeper ambitions. Let's say you wanted the power not simply to control people's behavior, but to control how they think, not just their bodies, but their minds, as a god would. In that case, you need to take charge of the society's taboos. A taboo is something that by popular consensus is not allowed. A taboo may not be illegal, but it doesn't need to be. Over time, social prohibitions are more powerful and more enduring than laws. Societies are defined by what they will not permit, as are famously religions. Muslims don't eat pork, neither do Orthodox Jews. Traditional Christians oppose extramarital sex, the Amish avoid electricity, and so on. American society isn't overtly religious, but it's governed by taboos, and it always has been. What's interesting is how fast our taboos are changing. This is not happening organically. What we're allowed to dislike is being dictated to us from above, sometimes by force. Until fairly recently, for example, it was taboo in this country to attack people on the basis of their race. That was the main lesson of the Second World War, we were told, again and again. The one thing we learned from the Nazis is that it's dangerous to reduce human beings to their genetic code. There is no master race. That made sense, but apparently we no longer believe it. Punishing people based on their skin color is not only permitted in modern America, it is mandatory throughout business and government and higher education, as long as the victims are white. At one time, that would have been unimaginable. So with the current behavior of our politicians, as recently as the 1992 presidential campaign, adultery was considered disqualifying for anyone seeking higher office. Bill Clinton was very nearly derailed in the New Hampshire primary by his affair with Jennifer Flowers. Clinton went to elaborate lengths to lie about the relationship because he had no choice. But he was the last presidential candidate who had to meet the standard. By 2008, it was obvious to anybody who was paying attention that Barack Obama had a strange and highly creepy personal life. Yet nobody ever asked him about it. By that point, a leader's behavior within his own marriage, the core relationship of his life, had been declared irrelevant. It was Barack Obama's business, not yours. One by one, with increasing speed, our old taboos have been struck down. Those that remain have lost their moral force. Stealing, flaunting your wealth, striking women, smoking marijuana on the street, shameless public hypocrisy, taking other people's money for not working. All of these things used to be considered unacceptable in America, not anymore. So it probably shouldn't surprise us that the greatest taboo of all is teetering on the edge of acceptability, child molestation. A generation ago, talking to someone else's children about sex was widely considered grounds for a thrashing. Touching them sexually 
was effectively a death penalty offense. When Jeffrey Dahmer was bludgeoned to death in the bathroom of a Wisconsin prison in 1994, the Milwaukee district attorney had to caution the public not to turn Dahmer's killer into a folk hero. Jeffrey Dahmer had molested and murdered children. People felt justified in celebrating his death. 25 years later, that standard had changed dramatically in the state of Wisconsin, as in the rest of the country. In the summer of 2020, during the BLM riots in Kenosha, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse defended his life from a convicted child molester called Joseph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum was trying to kill Rittenhouse, so Rittenhouse shot him in self-defense. And, and Rosenbaum was a Jew, if you couldn't tell by the surname. But it was Joseph Rosenbaum whom the media cast as the victim of the story. Kyle Rittenhouse, meanwhile, an underage boy fending off violence from a child molester, was denounced as the villain. Ultimately, he was indicted for murder. One of the things that this tells us is that people who run our country no longer see child molesters as the worst among us. It's never been more obvious than it was yesterday when the Wall Street Journal ran a long expose about kiddie porn on Instagram. Instagram, the journal found, quote, helps connect and promote a vast network of accounts openly devoted to the commission and purchase of underage sex content. Instagram connects pedophiles and connects them to content sellers of child pornography. In one instance, the paper discovered that Instagram was recommending the phrase incest toddlers to users who'd expressed interest in similar material. By the way, no one at Instagram denied that any of this had happened, nor did Mark Zuckerberg, who controls the company. The journal story was accurate. It was all pretty shocking, but not as shocking as what happened next, which was effectively nothing at all. The largest circulation newspaper in the United States revealed that one of the world's most influential companies was promoting pedophilia, and nobody empowered anything about it. The Justice Department did not announce an investigation. Congress did not schedule hearings. The guy who runs Instagram, Adam Mosseri, still has his job. In fact, Mosseri's last tweet, which is pinned, is a video of himself bragging about how effective Instagram's algorithm is. Keep in mind as you watch this, it's real. People often talk about the algorithm. There is no one algorithm for Instagram. There are many algorithms and ranking processes we use to try to personalize the experience to make it as interesting as we can for each and every person who uses Instagram. We believe in this idea of personalization. What you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, so therefore your Instagram and my Instagram should be different. What you're interested in and what I'm interested in is different, Masseri explains patiently. So your Instagram feed will be different from mine. If you're interested in children, that's why you're getting all the incest toddler posts. It's a highly personalized experience. <laughs> that tweet is still up tonight. Of course, everybody at Instagram, in fact, everyone everywhere in authority, will still claim to think that child molestation is bad. But the tone has changed unmistakably. When they say it's bad, they mean it in a kind of abstract way. Bad like a civil war in Central Africa is bad. You wouldn't prefer it, but there are reasons it happens. That's why we now refer to pedophiles as minor attracted persons, because honestly, who can judge? These people are a sexual minority, so pause before you attack them. And in any case, it's not like pedophiles are barging into the Capitol building to sit in Nancy Pelosi's chair, asking uncomfortable questions about the last election. Yeah. You sure about that? <laughs> For miscreants like that, no punishment is too harsh. So far this month, the FBI's Washington field office has issued 11 press releases. Ten out of 11 have been about January 6th. 
Keep in mind that January 6th happened more than two and a half years ago. Now you know why the feds were ignoring kid touchers on Instagram. They're too busy to respond. They've got much more important things to do, like finding white supremacists. White supremacists are America's new child molesters. We've got zero tolerance for white supremacists because no one threatens the life of this country more than they do. Here's Joe Biden once again making that very clear last month. Stand up against the poison of white supremacists. I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. Let's go with you, fuckhead. I'm not saying this because I'm a black HBCU. I say wherever I go. Pardon the feedback, but you heard the point. White supremacy is the most dangerous threat to the American homeland. Joe Biden just told us that. It's more dangerous than the threat of nuclear war with Russia. It's more dangerous than the threat of the Mexican drug cartels, who've already killed hundreds of thousands of Americans and are now in control of swaths of our southwestern states. White supremacy is that bad, Joe Biden says. In fact, it's worse. But what is it? That's the question. Can anyone in authority actually define white supremacy? What is it? Is white supremacy liking white people too much? If so, that's going to put those of us with white children in a pretty tough spot. Or is white supremacy something much more obviously bad, like trying to expel all non-whites from America and creating some kind of ethnostate? If that's Joe Biden's definition, what exactly is the scope of this threat? How many people are currently working on this American white ethnostate project? What are the chances they're going to pull it off? Our guess is not very many and precisely zero. But we can't say for sure because no one has showed us the numbers. These are not rhetorical questions. When the president of the United States describes something as the worst possible crime Americans can commit, you have a right to know what that crime is. You used to have that right. Under our pre-revolutionary legal code before George Floyd, questions like these were easy to answer. A crime was defined as something that an elected legislature had explicitly banned, usually an act that hurt somebody else. In America, crimes were described precisely with words in English and then preserved in books, which you could read yourself. If you ever wondered whether you were committing a crime, you could just look it up. You could know for sure whether you were a criminal. Now you can't. And needless to say, that's the point. The point of the exercise is to keep you off balance, to keep you afraid. When no one's willing to define the offense, you can't be sure whether or not you're committing it. You could be accused at any time and everything you have taken from you. You live in fear. Remember this guy? Emmanuel Cafferty was driving near a Black Lives Matter protest in Poway in his SDG&E truck when he says he noticed somebody following him and trying to get his attention. Later, that person posted a picture of him making what some believed is a white supremacy symbol. On Twitter, Cafferty says he had no idea about any white power symbols and was just cracking his knuckles outside his window when the picture was taken of him. Later that day, he says he was notified by SDG&E that he would be suspended pending an investigation, and a few days later, he was fired. Okay, so what we need to do at this particular point is we need to fucking start taking this shit back now because if this continues anymore, we as whites are completely in are going to be the minorities in our own country. I keep telling you over and over again, this is South Africa is what the globalists want to do to the rest of the West as a petri dish. And if you've seen the shit that they've done in that country and how much they've destroyed the infrastructure, and allowed Keffers to fucking murder fucking 
the boor, which are the farmers, and, as well as uh, give them all affirmative action laws, and and, and even to the point where, to, where they're not even allowed to to hire whites at all. Uh, matter of fact, they get they get uh, they actually get a tax burden if they try to fucking hire a white person over a black one. So again, it, it's absolutely insane. But that sets a precedent for everything else. Now it's coming here. And now that they're pushing all this shit and coming up to the border and letting all these fucking spicks in, I'm telling you what's going to happen. They're all of a sudden going to do a pass a mass amnesty right before an election, and they're going to make sure that, that all these motherfuckers be able to vote, and then Republicans are done. They will be done as a national party. You will never see another Republican in the White House after 2030. I guarantee you, if you don't get this shit fixed now, Republicans might well just they're going to go the same way though the very party they replaced the Whig party they're going to disappear and Democrats will be the sole party in this well one party in this goddamn country and and if you even after a while you white person don't even bother running for office because they'll always make sure they have some Puerto Rican some fucking Guatemalan some fucking some fucking chink, some fucking nip, somebody will always get the opportunity to run for office, even in a white district, and then uh, um, and then they'll do like to do in, in East Germany. If you don't come out and vote because you don't approve, approve of the uh, slates or the candidates that you've been presented, they will essentially drag you to the polls almost at gunpoint and tell you to pull a lever. Harold Ziegler talks about that in his book, Freedom's Nightmare. And if you don't go and vote, they make you vote. So they have the false impression that they had a democracy over in East Germany. Yeah, this shit went on, dude. This is from a guy who fucking lived through communism and managed to escape it. And wrote two books about it. He's got a brand new book uh, that has just come out as well. So as soon as they get the opportunity to get that book and start going through it and stuff, I'll bring Harold back on and we'll talk about his new book as well. But the second edition of Freedom's Nightmare is now available. You go to his website at authorhzieger.com and you'll be able to, to get uh, Freedom's Nightmare for there as well. You have the opportunity to email him for an, an autograph copy uh, or you can go on your typical places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, what have you, to get the book. So, like I said, it says a lot about what it was like growing up over there and uh, at some point how he found his faith and it helped guide him out. And then he spent 20 years in Austria before he could come to the United States and then finally came here in 2005. And then when Usurper Obama was running, I should say Barry Satoro, pretty freaking obvious that um, – the guy was a complete fraud, but that he was that he was a flaming red. He was a complete commie. The very thing that Reagan claimed that he went to defeat it came right sprouted back up. It wasn't through Hillary Clinton. It came through Barack Obama first. There's the rest of Tucker. As you just saw, that local news had to blur the photograph of his hand. He was fired from his job. His life was destroyed for cracking his knuckles. He didn't know cracking his knuckles was racist in his defense, but then nobody did until the day that poor Emmanuel Cafferty was unwise enough to crack them. When a crime has no definition, anyone can be guilty of it. It's hard to relax in a country like that. The old system was better. 
Government operated on the basis of laws, not amorphous moral terror. Politicians couldn't accuse you of something they couldn't define. The legal code was straightforward. Child molestation was a crime. Having unfashionable opinions was not. Outside of the public sphere, the population mostly governed itself, as it does in every society, and used taboos to do it. You knew what was allowed and what wasn't because the rules didn't change very often. The taboos were organic. They derived from collective experience and instinct, the two most reliable guides to life. They evolved for a reason. They still do. Our job at this point is to protect them, despite the hectoring, the nonstop hectoring from the people in charge. You know the outlines of right and wrong. You were born knowing them. So don't let them talk you out of what you can smell. Don't let them rationalize away your intuitive moral sense. Cling to your taboos like your life depends on them, because it does. Cherish and protect them like family heirlooms. That's exactly what they are. Okay, you can go to TuckerCarlson.com or text Tucker to 44055. So, um, uh, and you'll get instant updates on um, his postings and stuff. So, like I said, it's really good stuff. Um, it's like, obviously, uh, Mr. Andrews tried to get a hold of me here, but uh, obviously the broadcast is almost over, so I'll have to reschedule him for another day. Now, uh, I am putting together the 50-state secession uh, discussion, and... Um, We'll be pre-recording that in advance because it's going to be pretty lengthy, and that way I get a chance to have a good enough round tape where everybody gets a chance to talk and, and put some time limits on there because some of the folks that I have on there um, do like to talk. And it's not like it's not that they don't have a lot to say. I mean, you know, it's it's not that they're just trying to kill time or whatever. Some of them are so thorough and covering details. I was like, got to give everybody. No more than three to five minutes to fucking make your point because of the fact that uh, we're going to have several of us going around here. And for everyone to be able to speak evenly, especially since I'm not using some newer things like uh, what are these new fucking chat things they got now that I just saw that Bobby Kennedy was on the other night. Um, I I couldn't even tell you. I've sat in one or two of them, and uh, I think it was on Twitter. I'm not sure, but... uh, I, I, I logged in on one. I actually saw that uh, um, Millie Weaver was on it. I was like, oh, cool. And she barely had a chance to speak. But yeah, I guess there's different ways to try to let people know, you know, raising a hand or some shit, say, hey, I wanted to talk. But I was on there for damn near almost 45 minutes to a fucking hour, dude. And it's, these guys just kept going the same three, four fucking people. I'm like, man, this is bullshit, you know? So like I said, I, w- I wish there was a way that you could fucking really – get someone to know something and, or at least could send a, a brief message like, Hey, I have a point I like to add. So like, again, bias is fuck. My biggest thing as it comes to these things is that you're limiting a lot of great thoughts. And every now and then you get one or two guys that really had hit a home run and they get some guys that just talk bullshit. And it's like, and they go on, and on, and on, and on. It's like, dude, what is the purpose of your fucking response? You know, some people just like to hear themselves talk. It's, that shit just gets old, man. I like people actually have something to say. So, 
especially those that are fairly articulate and really know how to fucking, and some just have a very good style of delivery and a good speaking voice. And, uh, you know, I, I've done radio since the early 90s. And obviously, I had a lot of people told me I had a really good radio voice. And actually, on Trusted Radio, I actually do sound really good. And uh, some of the events that I've done over the years, I would go on like Wright State Radio, like the Push for Paul thing I did to get awareness for Ron Paul here in the Dayton area. Um, I went on Wright State Radio in the Libertarian Hour and really covered a lot of stuff. And uh, it was a really good exchange with me and the guy that was uh, hosting the show. So it was a really cool thing so again now how i speak on here is is different compared to how i would be, speak on someone else's show and if it's free to open then we're going to talk shop if it's terrestrial obviously i have uh a particular level i have to maintain myself at as well as other people who don't normally talk that way you know what i'm saying but generally speaking here we speak typical workman's english and if you don't like what i gotta say Fuck you. That's just the way it is. Right? Right. Because I'm sunny motherfucking tea, bitch. If you don't like it, you can go down there and suck. So, I mean, that's how it works. So, my bad, my basic attitude is I enjoy listening to people like Ice Cube, for example. I think he has a lot to say. And he's actually a very intelligent black man. Um, is he sometimes borderline nigger? Absolutely, because some of the sh some of the roles he's been in and some of his stances. But I tell you this, I have a lot of respect for Ice Cube, and I oftentimes when he speaks, I'll listen to what he has to say because even in his lyrics, he is a good storyteller because of the fact that he has a lot of experience and a lot of stuff he draws from. So I really respect Ice Cube in many ways, and we're pretty close in age. I think of him, I actually sat down. I think we agree on many things. And there's things that we definitely would disagree on. But I'd be quite honest, I don't really see him trying to get all ghetto-fied on me. Because I would just say, look, dude, there's some things you and I just don't agree on. Or just say, we could just agree to disagree. And to be quite honest, I think it would be a pretty amical exchange. You know? Again, I'm a fan of a lot of his work. Um, especially his early stuff. I, 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 he's very influential. And so I, you know, I still have some of his songs in my playlist and stuff. And listen to it. Uh, he doesn't put out rap albums as much as he used to, but again, he's he's more of an actor now, making the big bucks. But again, I always enjoy what Ice Cube has to say, and a lot of times he is very good at saying it. Sometimes he has to be pretty damn direct, and that's the way I like. I like when someone just cuts straight to the quick, man. Don't give me a line of bullshit. Just just get straight. Pass the potatoes and get straight to the meat. You know what I mean? And uh, Ice Cube is definitely one of those guys that does that. Okay, so you've heard two things from Tucker, both of his episodes. Uh, I think they're really good comment uh, commentary. It's typical Tucker style. He's very relaxed. He, he can say whatever the hell he wants. And um, and and you really nailed Zelensky. If you heard him, it's basically rat-like. He's basically referring to what he is. He's a fucking Jew. So, I mean, you know, and again, he's a slob when it comes to fucking dressing in public. He wears sweatshirts and fucking khakis. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? What, do you want to be some ghetto homing shit? I mean, you're asking for the President of the United States, or I should say you super burden Biden at this point, and asking our Congress for fucking money, and you show up in a fucking, I mean, yeah, how is he different than Fetterman? Shows up with a fucking sweatshirt. Ooh, it's got Ukraine's fucking logo on it. Who gives a flying fuck, dude? Now, that being said, I hate suit and ties. 
that whole look is over a hundred years old, dude. It's shit. At least I can say with the with the nineteenth century clothing, men were a lot more dapper back then. The biggest problem is with these days with suits is that basically, unless you really make a name for yourself, you're just a fucking suit. You know, even some movies like a uh, Michael Douglas in Black Rain. You know, it's like oh, all these fucking suits. You know, talk about how these guys are fucking. You know, uh, IAD was fucking um, doing an investigation on some of his shit or whatever, and blah blah blah. He's like everywhere, all these fucking suits. I mean, seriously, the only difference is the face. So again, I never understood the purpose of wearing a tie in the first place. I hate fucking ties. Peace. That's one thing that I liked about. Arguably, I liked about the disco movement in the 70s and then, of course, the new wave and Miami Vice look of the 80s. If you look at the John Travolta look in the 1970s, yeah, a lot of shit was more form-fitting in different ways, but there's a lot more freedom in the way that you you could dress, and you still look very masculine. The problem is a lot of pimps started wearing that, and then it really cheapened the look, you know? And then come along Don Johnson, especially in the early days, and it wasn't as fine-tuned as he was later on, but he was just kind of, you know, kind of fitting the vibe. But it, with it being hot climbs and humid, that, you know, you want something, a linen jacket that's kind of loose on you. You want just a, maybe just a simple t-shirt. You want light colors because you wear dark colors. You're going to fry. And nobody wants to see a bunch of sweat on someone's armpits, you know. So, again, that whole look is a lot more palatable and um, to me is a lot more classic. It's like the James Dean look and wearing a black leather jacket over a white t-shirt and jeans. I mean, it, it's timeless like that, I think. Um, and again, some people like splash uh, certain things on there and stuff. The bottom line is, I prefer that look over the John Travolta look, you know. A lot of people can't wear that stuff anymore because their body is physically changing and just can't wear those clothes these days. But the bottom, the thing that really gets me is I want people to look like themselves. But if you notice, since 2000, we don't really have styles anymore. I, I, I saw an article not too long ago where they showed all these different women of the 20th century. And a lot of these were iconic Hollywood starlets. And they would have certain body types. And if you notice, during certain time periods, there were certain looks, even ethnicities, that seemed to be more favored than others. Like women of the 19... Uh, of the 1900s had a look, but then the 1910s is a little bit different, of course, by the suffragette movement by the 1920s. But then by the early 30s, you, you know, 20s going into 30s, you had the, 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 the hourglass look that was really fucking wide hips, you know, I mean, just big fucking thing. But then it changed each decade is a little bit. 30s and 40s were kind of blending a little bit. There's some subtle differences. I mean, me personally, when I look at World War II movies, I actually enjoy seeing women in that time period. I, I actually like the hairstyles. I thought they were, they were looking a lot more feminine. Uh, women wore dresses. Very rarely did they ever wear slacks. Women look like women. They're And to me, they're actually a lot more desirable like that. You know, I mean, it's just kind of like, wow. But it's the same stroke. You've got the cookie-cutter look of, oh, a Again, I'm stuck wearing a fucking uh, a suit and tie or a three-piece suit. Women stuck wearing a polka dot dress or a floral dress or whatever the fucking thing may be. But the bottom line is I, I appreciate it when women dress like women. And even girls. 
that some women make sure their girls dress like girls. You know, then I had a good friend of mine from high school. She she's an old school hood man. Boy, she, she had a great looking ass and a pair of jeans, man. I tell you what, she was fucking badass. And she was a hood, so she could fucking mix it up. But she was just she had the big hair, you know, and she she'd wear either a blouse or a t shirt or something like that. But she wore you know nice form fitting jeans or what have you. She was a hood man. She was badass. Um, and then a couple of years ago, she sent me a picture of her in two different dresses. And she goes, check out this bullshit. And I'm like, wow. And I said, um, that's a different look for you. She's like, yeah. She's like, I've never worn dresses. She's like, I haven't worn dresses since I was maybe a little girl. If that. I was like, wow. That says a lot. I was like, you know, but you don't look bad. You know? Especially as she's, you know, my age. And she's a middle-aged, mature woman. I actually thought she looked better in a dress because she still has a pretty nice figure considering she's had a couple of kids, but she still has a pretty nice figure for her age. So not much has changed in her general uh, build um, over the years. Where other friends I know, man, they they either just, you know, you can tell they're married with children um, or uh, they've had health issues that just uh, they couldn't control. And that sucks, you know. I had an ex-girlfriend. She had a buddy who was... um, who was in Desert Storm, and he got some of the Gulf War syndrome, and he had a lot of side effects from that. But his wife had some sort of condition where, or through her kidneys or through liver, anyways, she couldn't um, she couldn't dispel the toxins in her body, and so they would go into her fat cells, and so she started getting really huge. I mean, she was really I don't want to say obese, but she was like looked like she was really big boned, you know, but at some point, she actually had a hard time um, getting through, like, some of the doorways. I mean, she had to turn sideways to get through the door, okay? And this is a standardized door doorway, all right? Um, so she was almost a shut-in. So periodically, they would have to go out, like, every so many months and basically do, like, a liposuction. Not that, but to help get the, the, the toxins out of her fat. I don't know what that system, that condition is called. But I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for her. But, you know, and then other people later on have, have health issues as they got older. And they're just, you know, the body is betraying them. The, the slow betrayal of the body is worse. Like, I would rather have my body fail me than my fucking mind. There's nothing worse than being healthy and, and getting older, but you're cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. Or I was just telling a coworker today, I was like, you know, the thing that really gets me is, I don't know what's worse, man. Can, can you imagine when you get old and you, like, Forget where the fuck you're at. And, and you could have been raised in this fucking thing your entire life. You know, you get one of these country roads and shit, and you forget to go left or right. Like, where the fuck am I? You know, some of us have, the, have that feeling when you first tell you feel like you're fully out of that dream state or out of that sleep mode, and all of a sudden you feel, shoom, all of a sudden you feel reality's totally kicked back in. For a split second, you, you have to, like, like if you were waking up in someone else's bedroom or something like that, you're like, dude, what's that ceiling fan doing here? Hey, what's that on the wall? I don't remember hanging that up. I mean, it takes you a second to realize you're in a different environment. So that's a... I can imagine it's like you get older and you start to have dementia um, or you don't know where the fuck you're at. You worse you have Alzheimer's. You don't know nothing. That's why I tell every married couple, watch um, The Notebook. That is one of the best... Um, and I want to say a chick flick because it's not really a chick flick per se. But that is 
it is that generation's on Golden Pond with Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda. Okay, um, it's just a phenomenal film. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor and watch it. There's also another uh, another two movies that were made by the same writer. Um, Message in a Bottle with Kevin Costner is pretty good. And there's one also with Channing Tatum um, called The Vow. Definitely want to see that. Where basically it's a young young married couple. They're very happy. They get into a really bad car wreck and she goes through the windshield. And she has no idea who the fuck she is. And she don't know who the fuck this guy is that says that he's her husband. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously. Um, that's an interesting thing in itself. But my, my thing is... Um, I recommend people watch his films because that could happen to you. Now, more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be aware. Every time that you go out to the stores and everything, you need to look around you. You really need to have your head on a swivel, and you need to make sure you have situation awareness. If at all possible, if you cannot have a concealed gun in on your person somewhere, even open carry if you're that fucking bold, okay? But you're making yourself a target if you do. But if you can conceal carry, do it. We have constitution carries. There's no reason why not to. Get plenty of training. Go to the gun ranges. There's plenty of places that there's gun shops, gun ranges, um, some parks. There's gun parks. You need to make sure you spend plenty of time and get with different people to help you fire different weapons so you can get more accustomed to it. If you can go on a tactical range, because uh, they have them here, like for cops and stuff. Some places actually have tactical ranges you pay some money on, and you can go into a situation where they got a, a mock town, and all of a sudden, you know, bad guys just you see on uh, cop shows and shit. I highly recommend you do that because the fact that it really help you have full situation awareness of what a lot of soldiers do when they're in combat. All right. So, but even if anything, make sure you carry at least one, if not two, knives on you at all times. Even if it's just a fucking uh, a a work razor box cutter, even if you just have one of these, you can get it from Husky or Mac Tools, or even from um, Dewalt or any of these things. Get yourself one of these utility ones because, in fact, for most pit things, most people aren't going to say much about these because it can be said this is a, a work tool, and and that's exactly what it is. You know, you don't have to have any elaborate knives or anything like that. I definitely recommend at least having one of these. But also make sure if you have a small knife that you can retract, especially one with a serrated edge, that we can use it for a multi-tool, do it. it. Especially if you've got ones that's got a good window breaker on the end of it. I highly recommend you get one of those. That way, if you get stuck into a situation, your seatbelt won't get off and you can't get out fast enough, um, and your and your, your car is flooding because you just went to a fucking river or whatever, you can at least break the glass on your driver's side window and get the fuck out because that water is going to rush in real quick. So make sure you get a knife, know how to use it, know how to hold the right way. Don't do like most people do. And they stick it in their hand. They go lunge out with somebody. If someone's going to take it, they're going to block you or turn your wrist, fuck your shit up knock it out of your hand, or even worse, they can turn that hand on you and make you stick yourself. So know how to use a knife. Best best way to do it is, especially if you can if you can box it all, is to take the knife out, stick it at the bottom of your fist with the blade facing the direction you're going, and then that way you can try to punch. So you can kind of use it as a fist pack. If not, you can 
if you miss, you can slash them in the face a little bit to, to, to shock them and then come back down and stick them in the fucking side of the neck. So also no, you can also cut the main arteries in the thighs. So just like in the movie, um, face off with John Travolta and Nicholas Cage, um, they showed Dominic Swain how to cut the, the main arteries there in the, in the thigh and they'll bleed out. So like I said, these are things you need to teach, especially your daughters. You got to make sure your daughters know how to use shit at all times. If you have to, wrestle with them. Say, hey, I'm bigger than you. I can pin you down. I can hold you. How are you going to get off? Uh, get me off of you? You know, you got to learn tactics. If you know basic judo, you can do it uh, in, in line of that. But many of us uh, heathens had had classes where you show escapology. So especially if women get pinned down by a potential rapist, they can break free and be able to escape, and uh, that maybe uh, injure their attacker in the process, and then get away uh, as quickly as possible. So again, these day and age, with these fuckers that are coming in here, especially you women, you need to make sure that you look around everywhere you go. You walk up to a car. Now you got to make sure because a lot of states won't let you have pepper spray. You can't use bear spray because, in fact, that is considered a, a very offensive weapon. That's because of excessive force. And you can actually go to jail over that shit. Because um, that could actually blind some other. I mean, you know, my view is, hey, man, if you come up on a chick and she sprays you with something, that's on you, motherfucker. You got what's coming to you. You better hope it's only pepper spray, not bear spray. That's that. You may be blinded. Well, that's your dumbass for attacking a woman. You know? Now, they've learned different ways to get them. Stomp on their fucking foot. You take your elbow and hit them in the fucking kidney. There's different things you can do. Throw their weight, your weight forward, get them off balance, so that way you can try to throw them off or ram them up against a building. You know, if you know you're about to be attacked and they're about to take things that belong to you, you need to make sure you know how to fight back. At least enough to stun the guys so you can get away. So, but, and not of that, but men, this shit happening in our countries is because of you. When we allow our women and our children to be attacked in broad daylight, that's on you, you fucking piss ants. Because you turn the other cheek because you're a goddamn Christian. You turn the other cheek because you're afraid to be called a racist. You turn the other cheek because of the fact that you're afraid that you might get charged. If there's enough of us, motherfucker, we will make goddamn sure that you will get justice. Because of the fact that it's time we start holding our institutions accountable. They are turned against us. And it's been since Obama's been in office. So we have... Some time to to try to turn this shit back. You need to start with the local and the state level. Make goddamn sure that you do get people in there when you can and hold them to account. Like the shit with fucking McCarthy. He's got to go. That motherfucker needs to go. They, they set it up where if he has one fuck up, he's gone. Well, he needs to go. Fuck that motherfucker. Plus, you look at all the shit he's supported in the past. He's probably the worst neocon you could have had for fucking Speaker of the House. So again, when... When I see videos out there, like I saw in France, so that fucking fan niggers out there stabbing six children, three years and younger, stabbing babies out there in the fucking park. And then I saw him walking around. He, he come up on a white guy and looked like he was, might get might get him, and he was like, oh, oh, oh. you know. I, and then he kind of he kind of back traced him afterwards. I'd be like, motherfucker, you just tried to pull a knife on me. Goddamn sin! I would have taken that backpack and I would have fucking hurled it at that motherfucker and I would have charged him. 
I tell you what, the, the biggest problem is this mentality you have every day that we have to have hands off. I see so many fucking white kids in these videos getting the shit beat out by a bunch of blacks and fucking sand niggers. That's bullshit, man. On my block, if you try to pull that fucking shit, you're getting beat down, motherfucker. You're going to look like Beetle Bailey if I let you live. We need to get back to that mentality, man. We need to really start stop letting these motherfuckers try to bully us, try to fucking um, intimidate us, and, and threaten our women, dude. That shit ain't happening. I know some of y'all listen know what I'm talking about, man. There's just, like, Tucker's talking about taboos, man. You don't park in front of someone's house. You don't walk in the fucking lawn. You don't mess with their fucking daughters, and you, and, and, uh, you don't fuck with their properties, dude, because you will get fucked up. If you don't get fucked up, then you're going to get rolled out on a fucking stretcher. And you're going straight to the fucking morgue. That's how it needs to be. We never used to have mass shootings in this fucking country until you start putting people on Prozac. Okay? We need to really start stepping up and say, hey, we're not going to allow this shit to happen. And you fucking Christians need to step the fuck up or get the fuck out. Because of the fact that when one of our brothers and sisters does something to save someone else, like the, the Greenwood Mall shooting, okay, in Indiana, okay, you need to stand by that fucking guy because, you know what, if he hadn't stepped up to that, how many more people would that fucker have shot? It might have been your fucking kid that got shot. And then you might have seen this guy and realized he had a pistol and go, hey, motherfucker, why didn't you do something when you had a moment? My fucking kid's dead now because you stood there going, uh, 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 I don't know if I should draw, uh, I don't want to go to jail. Learn the rules and how to fucking engage. If you can avoid it, great. But when it comes to things, you have a fucking duty as a citizen and a human being. When you've seen other people being killed in front of you and you've got a tool to stop that motherfucker, hey, man, the path is clear. Highly logical, as Spock would say. And make sure you, if you do carry guns, make sure you do have proper gun insurance now. That's actually become a big business. USCCA has uh, access to that stuff. There's also other gun insurance funds. We actually uh, uh, conceal uh, carry coalition. You you've got all you got all different groups now. You can find rates and different coverages. Get legal representation. Do what you got to do. If you can avoid it as much as possible, great. But if you know that someone else is going to be harmed, and you can see it, especially if it's a child, I think you have a fucking duty as a citizen, as an adult, to protect that child. It's not your child, but it could have been. Always remember that. That could have been your fucking kid. That could have been your fucking niece or nephew or grandchild. But the fact that we allow this shit to run around in broad daylight, we blame our own men folk for not having the backbone to step up to say, this is the line and, and you'll cross, step up to here no farther. William Barrett Travis fucking stood up at the Alamo and he fucking became a hero. Are you going to be a David Crockett? Or are you just going to be one of these little motherfuckers, oh, I'm just going to run off and go do my thing. Fuck this shit. I ain't dying for this shit. Well, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for something. You'll fall for everything else every time. It's time to step up, man. It's time to act up and you need to start saying, you know what? There's just certain rules that I grew up on that still matter to me, and I'm not going to let some motherfucker tell me that I can't fucking think that way. I'm like, no, motherfucker, you're the one engaging in wrong think, not mine. 
Don't try to pull your 1984 fucking lingo on me with your news speak and your fucking bullshit. Because I will fucking give you a reality check. It's like this Dylan Mulvaney motherfucker needs to get a hold of that little whiny little bitch and, and either put his ass straight or put it straight up his ass. You want to be a fucking bitch? Bend over, motherfucker. I mean, that's the only way that little faggot's going to fucking learn. You want to be a bitch? You're going to get treated like one, you little fat, you little freakazoid. Now he thinks he's got power because we need to get more trans people to get endorsements. Endorse this, bitch. Put your mouth on this. So, I mean, that's how it is, man. Because you know these fucking gangsters don't fucking put up with that shit. You know these Muslims don't give up with that shit. I just saw shit there in Montgomery County, Maryland, where they were protesting these damn school board pushing this LGBT pride fucking shit. Where are the Christians standing in solidarity with these Muslims? I saw one white woman walk by with the American flag. I'd be standing after and say, hey, motherfucker, I'm a heathen, I'm a pagan. But enemy of my enemy is my friend, man. I stand in solidarity with you. Just like I'm a non-foreign non, uh, interventionist, okay? But if you had to say, if I had to pick between one or the other, I would stand in before I stand with a fucking Jew. Because they have a legitimate argument, and their argument should be heard. And every step of the way, they get silenced. It doesn't help the fact that they had corrupt leaders like fucking, you know, Arafat and all these dumb motherfuckers that stole from them. Then they should have fucking dealt justice and taken that fucker out. But, gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, we are Americans. You are citizens of your sovereign states. You are in your friends and, and, and neighbors. Just like Robert E. Lee could not raise his sword against Virginia because it was his country. Just like I cannot raise my sword against Ohio because I'm a born and raised Buckeye. This is my fucking my homeland. And I, will, I was born here and I'll die here. My bones and my blood will push daisies up or fertilize this soil. Whatever it takes. I am proud of this fucking state and I'm proud of its accomplishments and I'm proud that no president can get elected without us, more or less. And that we had seven presidents from Ohio, more than any fucking state. We are the best. We are the baddest. Why aren't we leading? Texas is leading us miles ahead. Why aren't we there? Because we got motherfuckers like Mike DeWine up there. We got shit going on in East Palestine where they refuse to acknowledge what the fuck happened. Fuck that shit. So it's time to start stepping up, man. Step the fuck up. Because the fact that it's... We as men have the duty to protect our women and our children. If not, you don't deserve to fucking have a fucking set of gonads. You should have... You should be a fucking eunuch. Because if you can't stand up for your fucking folk, then you're a joke. It's that simple, man. And even if you don't have a woman and children of your own, or nieces and nephews, okay, whatever the case may be, you have a duty as a man, as a white man, to look at your fucking neighbor and say, hey, anything ever happens, man, someone messes with your daughter or some shit, give me a call, man, I'm your backdoor man. We need to start getting that fucking unity going, because if not, it's over, man. We will be turning to South Africa in less than 15 or 20 years. By the time it by the time 2030 hits, for Gen 2030, which you're pushing so goddamn hard, they'll have us crowd in cities, boys and girls, and then it won't fucking matter, will it? 
You'll have to take the shot. You'll have to fucking stand in line. I mean, they are determined to make sure everybody gets the shot. If they say it was true that almost 75% of this country got the shot, the rest of us that didn't, we are the future leaders of this country. And unfortunately, most of us will probably die in the process. But you know what? I remember telling my mom one day, I said, you know, if time comes, Mom, I know where I fucking stand. I stand with the Republic. I'm not going to stay with no tyranny. I will, I will fucking die. I would rather die on my feet than live on my fucking knees, man. Better dead than red, motherfucker. I won't put up with that shit. We need to get back to that mentality. Those battle cries still are relevant to us today. We need to realize that things are changing. And we need to start speaking out. Call your fucking talk shows. Go to your local city council meetings. Go to your school meetings and say, this shit will not be tolerated. Not on my watch. People are waiting for someone to step up. Why does it have to be them? Why can't it be you? Be fucking, speak out, be vocal like I am. I just, I'm a normal dude, man. I'm just a blue-collar guy trying to get by and just doing the fucking podcast. Why don't you step up? Maybe you are a better business sense than I do, and you can really met, metastasize something going solid and become an Alex Jones, you know? The bottom line is, you have an obligation. If you see things that are fucking wrong, you need to speak out and say, hey, this is bullshit. And don't be afraid to use shop talk. Sometimes you have to use that to underscore what the fuck you're saying. Don't be like these rap artists and use it as every other word, and, and you use it for every noun, pronoun, adjective, and past participle. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. Well, actually, that is the most versatile word in the language, and every word I said in that sentence is correct. But nobody wants to hear you say, yeah, fuck you, motherfucker, every goddamn fucking word. There's a lot of things that Ice Cube talked about, Tupac talked about, some of these other guys, about social issues, but no senator is going to listen to a rap song talking about a social issue. Every other word's shit, nigger, goddamn motherfucker, and... and and fuck you. I mean, nobody's going to listen to that shit. Even if I were to go and censor it out. So, apparently, use it to underscore what you're, what you're saying. But the bottom line is, say it. Go out there. Go to council meetings. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm actually going to start going to a bunch of meetings right here myself. And just say, look, I'm not of your town or whatever, but I see what's coming. I know it's getting ready to hit. And, and you're going to start seeing a lot of crazy shit going on in your town. And you're going to see a lot of dumb motherfuckers that are going to bend the knee immediately because they hope it won't fuck with them. That's why a lot of people put Black Lives Matter signs in their businesses because they thought they would pass. Thinking that, oh, oh yeah, I smear the lamb's blood over my door and the angel of death won't fucking come by me. <laughs> a lot of them found out that didn't happen. They still got their businesses ransacked. Because you can virtual signal all you want. The bottom line is, these thugs are like fucking primitives, man. And they won't hesitate just because of your white skin. They don't give a shit that you're a commie. All they see is a, is, is a, is a dumbass honky. And they will treat you as such. Doesn't matter how much you sell your soul to them. Don't mind. Dude, you can have... Here, here, you can take my daughter. Yeah, I'll, they'll take your daughter, motherfucker, and then they'll still shoot you. And you went like a punk. So we need to start finding ourselves, man. We need to really start getting our shit in order because time is of the essence. We're becoming South Africa. Every Western nation is being overran. This is part of the Kalergi plan, motherfuckers. And then they use the Clara Piven strategy to destroy the welfare programs so they can be federalized. 
if California was getting ready to collapse now because of their financial situation, they would become a protectorate of the United States. Illinois is almost bankrupt. They would become a protectorate of the United States, which means they lose all their sovereignty as a state. Then we start asking the question, and when you see the word United States, which one do you see emphasized? In that case, it becomes United. States is all lowercase. So again, it's coming. Step up and be counted. If not, if you're lucky, you'll be counted when they when they get the body bags. Or if you're hopefully that they're lucky, they might have a loose estimate of how many people are in the mass grave because they just killed everybody in that fucking town. You know when the Reds came in and, and pilfered fucking Poland and into Germany, what they fucking did. Don't think that's not going to happen here. Don't think Chuck Norris is going to save your fucking ass. There is no Bruce Lee out there who's going to save you. And the best leaders are the ones that are most reluctant to do it. Because it's forced upon them and they had to make a choice, had to make a decision, either out of sheer necessity, and a lot of times they developed talents they never knew they had. Some of the best leaders in world history are the most reluctant ones that never wanted their position. But it fell on them, either by duty they had to step up to survive, and they got good at it. And one thing we learn when Americans start to, the Americans love a fight. And when they really start getting into it and they get a taste for it, we're the baddest motherfuckers around. So all you liberals out there want to come in our hoods and fucking start up shit, you better ready to throw down, bitch, because we're, we're not just kicking your ass and laying, leaving you out in the street. We're fucking making... We're fertilizing the ground with your skank asses. You will be pushing up daisies, and you will be fucking fertilizing our gardens, man. Because I tell you what, the time has come. If you're a commie, you're dead. That's how I see it. Make sure you wear a fucking red armband, motherfucker, so we know who you are, because we're going to get you. You want to wear a hammer and sickle fucking bandaid over your fucking face? I'm shooting you right in the fucking face. That's just the way it's going to be, man. You want to be a commie? You're going to get treated like one. Commies are soulless fucking droids, man. And, and, and the worst part about Antifa is it's our own white youth that have been programmed for this shit. We have to kill a lot of our own folk because of the fact they've been so brainwashed. Video games and music and television and movies and all sorts of fucking crazy shit and having hippies for fucking parents. Time is coming, boys and girls. Put the fucking game pads down. Start looking around you. Don't think you can hide your little turtle shell and it's going to pass you by thinking you can put a a, a, a a rainbow flag on your fucking shit or a Black Lives Matter sign on your fucking window and they'll pass your house. If anything, they go, that's probably white people now. Let's go get them. They ain't got any guns. They ain't going to fucking put up a fight. No. You're going to see what's going to happen instead of having home invasions, motherfucker. You want to see what the purge looks like in reality? Except this time, he don't have guns in his fucking wall. That's going to be you, punk. Prepare to meet your maker, or you're going to wish you could, because they'll leave you for fucking dead in there. You're going to wish you were dead. And if you have children, sisters, or mothers, you're not going to want to see what happens. Believe me, many of Boer in South Africa have had to witness before their own demise what happened to their families. Babies boiled in fucking kettles, the women, women gang-raped and fucking slaughtered, and then they saved you for last. You want to go out like that, man? You want to go out like a punk like that? If so, leave your door wide open. Make it easy for them. 
Don't make it a fight. And don't and be surprised if you're a fucking woman. Don't fucking leave your skank ass because you want to be a pussy, not step up. It's coming, man. Shit is coming fast. We better have a coalition because if not, what did what did Benjamin Franklin say? We must surely hang together, or we're sure as fuck gonna hang separately. That's my emphasis. <laughs> All right, so not a little long in the tooth on that one, man. But I, I'm telling you, this shit is really. I see the reality that's coming. I feel it, man. I can feel it in the atmosphere. Things are changing very quickly in this country. I see it every day when I go to the stores. I'm seeing a lot more darker faces coming to my fucking Kroger's, man. I see a lot more faces coming in my fucking grocery stores. I see a lot more darker faces coming into fucking Walmart, and they ain't speaking English, motherfucker. And if I if I see any fuckers speaking Spanish, I always tell them, hey, sp- you know, speak English, chingada madre. And I look dead at them like you're not wanted here. Let them know. You don't come to this Walmart, motherfucker, because well, I'll make sure you go out and you're going out on a stretcher. So we need to start fucking getting that. We need to start doing some deliverance fucking shit, man, because I'm telling you, it's coming. And these fuckers that are MS-13s and all these other cartel-linked motherfuckers. And the worst part is the mules. The mules are fucking forced to do this because their families are being held hostage. I sympathize with their plight, dude. I'm sorry. You, you come walk in my property. You're a target, motherfucker. I will light you up like Cape Canaveral. And, and you know, sign on my fucking door that says, you're found here at night. You'll be found here the next morning. You get my drift? Because I don't call 911, motherfucker. And, and, and the attitude you have to have is, oh, no, they're not in the house with you. or You're not in the house with them. They're in the house with you. In other words, you're the motherfucker that's going to fucking be their device. Because they, they walked into your house, they just entered their tomb. That is the attitude you have to have. Just like Facebook has become MySpace, it's irrelevant. Find other alternatives. There's so many other platforms now. Wimkin's a good one. Uh, there's a couple of ones that just don't have very good server space. So, like I said, there's a lot of shit out there. But the bottom line is, you better know who your neighbor is. Get on your voters' logs. Find out who your Republican guys are. Get give all the Second Amendment groups. Find out possibly who votes for particular gun rights and and and, and fights for uh, to stop uh, gun seizures. Find out who your neighbors are. Because shit's a fan of their fucking Democrat, dude. They will snitch you out in a fucking heartbeat. They will fucking not even take the 30 gold pieces of silver to rat your ass out. They will have the satisfaction thinking that some right-wing fucking uh, a Nazi is about to get fucking strung up. Those are not our folk, man. Those are our sworn enemies. The various fucking people that have our blood, but they've been brainwashed and turned into zombies... They're not our folk, man. They're the enemy. They're worse than the motherfuckers that they're helping come into your house. You you remember the King Arthur movie from 2007 with Clive Owen? Remember when the was like, yeah, maybe you should go up in that tree because you can see what we're about to do. Yeah, and then and then one of the guys knows he's up there and gets that motherfucker. He caught the Judas goat. So like I said, it's coming, boys and girls. It's coming. Keep your powder dry. The power outages are coming. It's all going to hit the fan. If Joe Biden goes down, dude, he's going to pull a fucking bunch of switches on the way out the door. 
because camel toe is too fucking stupid, okay? He's going to pull a bunch of switches on the way out the door, and this country is going to be in chaos overnight. That's why they're trying to go out to Trump. The very things that the Clintons and the Obamas and the Bidens are all guilty of, which should be guaranteed open-shut case. They want to fucking get down Trump because he licked the letter wrong. You know what I mean? I mean, something as asinine as that. Like, oh, when you close the envelope, you licked it to the left, sir, instead of to the right. I mean, they're that pedantic. Asinine. And if we let our justice system do that, that means if they get him, they'll get you. Every one of our brothers and sisters that are still locked out on January 6th, we need to be demanding their release. I'm calling right now. Free Joe Biggs. Joe Biggs was a patriot. He served his fucking country, man. He was unarmed, and, and he was doing a right thing, and he got 18 years in prison for some bullshit. That could be you. That could be you. You even fart wrong in the wind and shit. They're going to think you're a cow, and they want to fucking take you out. Because now cow farts supposedly are killing the environment. You see how stupid that is? They're coming for you, fuckers. They end up being counted. Or they'll count you while you're swinging. Capiche? All right. So we are going to close the evening and uh, see if I find something that's quite fitting. Actually, that would be very tempting. But let me see down here. Perfect. We need to have this basic attitude, boys and girls. There you go. Better dead than red. Smash the reds. Salanchama.
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow. The flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the Alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. We are the American Freedom Party. This is the most urgent time in the history of Western civilization. In the year 1900, white people of European descent comprised 35% of the world population. Today it is less than 9% and falling fast. Europe is being overrun with Middle Eastern immigrants and America's founding stock is rapidly being replaced with third world peoples from around the globe. For the last 50 years, every influential institution in this nation, our schools and universities, our media, our churches and our employers have promoted policies and principles that teach whites to be ashamed of their great heritage and birthright. We who in the 1950s, the 1960s and 1970s were the world's dominant force are now so afraid of being called racist that we were quailing towards irrelevance and extinction. Join the American Freedom Party today. Reach us at theamericanfreedomparty.us or call us at 701-317-5317. Paid for by the American Freedom Party. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. 
Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. Your home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. untold story of World War II you will ever need to know. You have done a magnificent job. The visual impact that people will experience when they see what you have produced, you've been very impartial in your presentation, and you have allowed the people, the viewers, to make up their own mind. You present the, the evidence and Anyway, it's an honor to have you on the program. To find out more on this phenomenal documentary series, go to thegreateststorynevertold.tv. We fought. We learned. We struggled. We won. Despite Obama's best efforts, the newspaper of the human resistance survived. We have lived only to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. Read about our struggle in The Sovereign, newspaper of the resistance. The Sovereign is a 24-page monthly tabloid newspaper about the war between man and machine. We've tried reason, we've tried legislation. We've tried every peaceful means imaginable, and all it's gotten us is shut out. So now we fight the machines. Order online today at thesovnews.com or find The Sovereign at select newsstands. Remember to read The Sovereign, newspaper of the resistance. The human resistance's battle against the machines will be everlasting. This is mercy. It was never our destiny to stop the age of Obama. It was merely to survive it. Together. Together.